Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, June the 1st, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today on June 1, 1813, the mortally wounded commander of the USS Chesapeake, Captain Jim Lawrence, he gave the order, we've heard it often, don't give up the ship. He gave that order during a losing battle with a British ship in the War of 1812. Don't give up the ship. Today in 1792, Kentucky became the 15th state. Today in 1796, Tennessee became the 16th state. Today in 1812, President James Madison, in a message to Congress, he went through this long list of things that he called Britain's, quote, series of acts hostile to the United States as an independent and neutral nation. It was not unlike all of the stuff that he and his colleagues listed in the Declaration of Independence. Madison wasn't going to let it go. And so he went on and on to Congress. Congress ended up declaring war again on Great Britain, the War of 1812. Today in 1916, Louis Brandeis took his seat as an associate justice on the U.S. Supreme Court, the first Jewish American to serve on the Supreme Court. Today, in 1958, Charles de Gaulle became the premier of France. That marked the beginning of the end of the Fourth Republic. Today, in 1980, cable news network CNN made its debut on the air. Today, in 2009, General Motors filed for Chapter 11, becoming the largest U.S. industrial company to enter bankruptcy protection ever. Five years ago today, President Donald Trump wisely declared he was pulling the U.S. from the Paris Climate Agreement. President Joe Biden signed an order returning the U.S. to that fiasco on his first day in office. That is the greatest, almost, it's immoral what that climate movement does behind the scenes. There's a few people enriching themselves. It is the greatest transfer, forced transfer of wealth in the history of the world. This climate accord thing. There's a few people sitting at the top who are personally being enriched by this. And third world countries are, and will, they are, but they will even more so if this thing continues to roll the way it is. They're going to be receiving millions, if not billions of dollars that will end up not in solving that warming problem or whatever. It'll end up in the pockets of despots in these third world countries. I've been with the people in these countries. They know what's going on, but they can't do anything about it. The ordinary folks. That's what this climate change thing is really all about. Believe me, I am... Totally convinced of that. Pat Boone, 
is 88 years old today. Happy birthday, Pat. I knew him pretty well in the past. I haven't seen him in years, but he and I have done some things together. He's really a good guy. I mean, he really is. He's always selling something, but he's really a good guy. I like him. 88 years old today. Happy birthday. There's a number of non-governmental organizations in Europe that are organizing, and they're pushing for the population in Europe, Great Britain, Germany, all of the countries in, in Europe, to use kind of a China-style software report that uh, reports instances of racism, hate speech, digital violence, all that kind of thing. It's kind of a high-tech campaign for everybody to be watching everybody else. I'm not kidding you. Progressive NGOs in Europe, they're enlisting the general public to assist them in their crusade against so-called hate speech. One organization is employing this China-style smartphone app. I mean, it's not China's, but it's it's created after the one that China uses. And this app to encourage people to report on those who are living in breach or they're talking in breach of social progressive norms, whatever those progressive norms may be. Boy, that makes... <laughs> As they said where I grew up, the hair on the back of your neck stand up, doesn't it? That's concerning. Getting people to turn on one another and report on one another. I mean, that sounds like George Orwell for sure. I mean, we're there. I don't know if they'll actually do this in Europe, but there are groups with a lot of financial backing that are pushing for this. I'm thinking they're going to tilt that way because the stage is set for it. Well, the good thing is that'll never come to America, will it? (laughs) Of course not. We never adopt any so-called progressive ideas here anymore. I wish. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Many are laboring and are heavy laden in today's world. Some of you may be feeling that. Those words are for you today. Romans chapter 5, Paul wrote, And not only so, but we glory glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. So the more that we experience, even the tribulation, the difficulties, Patience comes from that, and from patience and experience, we have hope. That's where we find the greatest dimension of hope, the greatest expression of hope in our personal lives. It's not when everything's going 100%. We find hope, and our hope is strengthened. Our hope is in the Lord, but our hope is strengthened in times of difficulty and tribulation. The psalmist He knew a lot about personal challenges and tribulation. Psalm 119, verse 114 says, Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. So it isn't the word of the people with their apps in Europe. It's not the people 
really in Washington, D.C. or elsewhere. Our hope is based on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That is our hiding place, our shield. He is the Word made flesh. Our hope is in the Word of the Lord. Thankfully, praise the Lord. Rasmussen Reports published a national survey yesterday. I want to talk to you a little bit about that today because it, it, it touches a nerve. But I think this is helpful. wouldn't talk about it if I didn't. But the national survey yesterday finds that the public believes red flag laws can help prevent mass shootings like the latest one in Texas, Uvalde, Texas. But our youth are not only killing others, generally these uh, mass killings are perpetrated by younger people, generally younger men, younger boys, as was the case. This kid was, what, 18 years old, I think? So the public, they believe that red flag laws can help prevent mass shootings, but everybody's talking about what are we going to do? What is our response going to be? Of course, the gun lobbyists are out in full force. They always are, but today they have a louder microphone. They're having closed-door meetings in Washington, D.C. to see if there could be a compromise on gun control. That's bizarre. Dr. Rebecca Marshall has collected an enormous amount of data on youth suicide in Washington and Oregon. I believe that's related to what we're experiencing, not only with the killing of others, but with the killing of themselves, our children. Perhaps you're not aware, but it is epidemic and it's spiking. Science and the doctors, the medical profession, are doing a pretty good job collecting the data. They're getting a pretty good handle on what's going on. It's terrifying. But they're not doing so well in coming up with the answers. And they admit that themselves. We're still looking for answers. But unfortunately, we're looking for answers in the realm of medicine and science, and I'm all all for it. I, all Christians should believe in science, true science, not fake science, but true science. And we should certainly believe in medicine. Luke was a doctor. There is, there is help. There is blessing in all of that. That's my belief. I believe what we know about medicine and the whole field of, of medicine, God has allowed us to learn. It's his truth. He created it all. And he's allowed us to learn certain things about it that could be helpful to our lives and so on. could be a blessing. But it's all from the Lord. It's not from an atheist somewhere in a laboratory. He may think it is, but it's not. All good things come from God. God created everything. So when we look at what's happening in our world today, it's a spiritual problem. And if we're looking for secular answers to the problem, we're never going to find them. We're going to find people obsessed with their own agenda, trying to push their own agenda in the face of a crisis. So-called progressives always use a crisis to advance their agenda, whether it's the LGBTQ, A1+, ABCDE, I don't know, whatever. 
whether it's that agenda, whether it's the anti-gun agenda, it doesn't matter. The socialist agenda, anti-capitalism, all of these things are at work in America, unfortunately. But it's true. But they each one will grab hold of a crisis. They learned that from basically from Marx and then Saul Alinsky. But they'll grab it any kind of a crisis and try to use it, they're not really seeking solutions. They're seeking more crises. And that's one of the problems that we have in America. But Rasmussen took a, a, a poll. Again, they do daily polls on all kinds of things. I have a great amount of confidence in their polling, and I'll tell you why. It's because they ask the right questions in the polling. The other pollsters, even the really famous ones, I mean, they they really tilt their questions to get certain responses, I believe. And I, I pay attention to a lot of them. Rasmussen yesterday asked the question, or they did the day before, they published it yesterday. They asked the question, can red flag, uh, red flag laws prevent mass shootings? Here's their response in a paragraph. Mental health problems are seen as a leading factor in mass shootings by young men, and voters overwhelmingly support so-called red flag laws to help prevent such tragedies. A new Rasmussen reports, they say national, they themselves published yesterday, finds that 40% of likely U.S. voters believe mental health is more to blame for mass shootings by young men in America, while 30% blame access to firearms. So 10% more think it's mental health than think it's guns. But you would think by the left, leftist government that we have in place now in America, you would think that it's all about guns. If we can just get rid of guns, we won't have any problems. Of course. 10% think family problems are more to blame for mass shootings. Another 10% blame social media. Only 4% think school problems are more to blame. In other words, difficulties at school. 4%. The Seattle Times published an article yesterday that's pretty good. They published it with this headline, Rising Number of Suicide Attempts Among Young Children, Particularly Girls, Worries Northwest Physicians and Poison Centers. They outline an in-depth study of facts of data from gathered from particularly the Northwest Washington and Oregon specifically but they say that it's pretty much in sync with the rest of the nation as far as the numbers are concerned. I want to share a little bit of this with you, but I want to tell you up front, they're trying to solve, again, this problem, a spiritual problem with secular solutions. They will not find their way to success unless they see this for what it is. But in this in-depth article in the Seattle Times, Dr. Rebecca Marshall They say she became increasingly concerned as she did her rounds in an ER at a children's hospital in Portland. More young children than usual, and girls in particular, I'm quoting from the Seattle Times, were being brought to the hospital after swallowing medications to attempt suicide. Children of jarringly young ages, some just 9 or 10, were seeking out pills in the family medicine cabinet. As Marshall tried to come to grips with what she was witnessing, She'd make a point to ask, why did you think about ending your life? 
So the data shows that boys are killing other people, primarily, and <laughs> girls are wanting to quietly kill themselves. Dr. Marshall says there's no, from her own just personal research, she said there's no single reason, and it's difficult to generalize about youth suicide because there are only limited data. But a worrisome attitude shift seemed to underlie much of what she saw. She made a list of some of the things that she sees repeatedly when she talks to kids, and I guess she's talked to a lot of them in her role as a doctor. But here's some of the things she said she hears repeatedly, but there doesn't seem to be a consensus on any one of them. She said talking about wanting to die, looking for a way to kill oneself, talking about feeling hopeless or having no purpose, talking about feeling trapped or in an unbearable pain, talking about being a burden to others, increasing the use of alcohol or drugs, acting anxious, agitated, or recklessly, sleeping too little, or sleeping too much, withdrawing or feeling isolated, showing rage or talking about seeking revenge, displaying extreme mood swings. Those are some of the things that she put out as what she hears when she talks to kids, and she's talked to a lot of them. I would just add to this, I'm not a doctor, and I'm not in any way suggesting that I know what she knows, but I do know that I've talked to a lot of kids in the ministry as a youth pastor. I mean, thousands of kids over the years as I, I was a youth pastor for a long time, maybe too long. I don't know. Maybe that's what's wrong with me today. But anyway, I've heard some of these things a long time ago. I mean, these are pretty endemic to just human experience. You know, I mean, who hasn't heard somebody say, man, I just like to die. <laughs> and we even use it as not meaning actual death, but we say, man, I like to died when I was so embarrassed and so on. So that's used. And kids do talk about death. I found that true some years ago when I was a youth pastor. And we didn't have the crisis then we have now as far as killing people and killing one another. But the article reveals there's a significant spike in teen suicides and attempted suicides. I wrote an article on this today. It's in our, it's on our website. I would really encourage you, parents, grandparents, to read this. We don't, we don't get any revenue from traffic. I wouldn't apologize for it. I think it's fine that people would do that, but we don't get any revenue from traffic on our website. Our website is sponsored, uh, as is this radio program, which is our primary expense, is sponsored by the people who support this ministry. So uh, someone asked me here a while back, uh, do you get revenue from people going on your website? The answer is no, we never have, and we won't, because I believe in capitalism, and I I think it's great people that have websites and they have traffic and they get paid uh, certain amounts from certain advertising companies and all of that. But I'll tell you why we haven't done that very briefly, because you've asked. Um, the, the reason that I don't do it is because I can't control all of the advertisers that would be on there. You get into uh, systems where there, you know, I mean, there's categories, but you can't control it. I don't want to get up some morning with all the work that is put into this and the sacrifice and the, the contributions that you make to this ministry 
to see somebody advertising on, on the margin of our website something that I don't even believe in, and neither do you. So that's not going to happen, and that's why we don't. So anyway, go to the website. I know you who support this ministry maybe wish I was making Anyway, go to the website. There's an article about this, and you will see a number of graphs and a whole lot of information. I would encourage you to at least take a look at that today. I want to cover some of it uh, in our minutes on the air today. But youth suicide and the self-harm trends are alarming. And again, the Seattle Times, to their credit, I'm very critical of them often because they need to be criticized. But this is a pretty good article. I mean, as far it's there's no solutions here. They're trying for solutions. They're looking for solutions. They're not finding solutions. Because this is a spiritual, not a social or medical problem, in my view. But, for example, self-harm and suspected suicide cases in Washington State reveal that the fastest increase coming is among girls and the age group where the most girls are trying to commit suicide is 6 to 12 years old. Cases among 6 to 12-year-old girls increased from 190 in 2019 to 300 in 2021, girls aged 13 to 17 increased from 1,813 in 2019 to 22,482 in 2021. Most people aren't getting that in the culture. They don't realize because this is quiet. The boys that are killing are are, are committing suicide, but not nearly at the rates that the girls are doing. The, I'm talking about young people. But the boys that are being killed or sometimes wanting to be killed in action will go on these shooting rampages and they find that the boys hostility is turned outward the girls hostilities or questions or difficulties or struggles are turned inward so often and so they quietly kill themselves primarily with overdoses of prescription pills poisonous materials that they can get their hands on and so on it's very very alarming and concerning Data shows that 419 boys harmed or attempted to harm themselves in 20, uh, 2019, while 431 attempted to do so in 2021. However, among girls, the number was 1584 in 2019, 2344 in 2021. These numbers, the Times says, pretty much matches Washington State and Oregon pretty much with the national numbers. This Dr. Marshall says the primary method of girls attempting to commit suicide is ingesting poison. And she says these numbers are not surprising to her at all. She said, quote, I don't think it's surprising to any of my colleagues who work in ch children's mental health because it's what we're all seeing. This Dr. Christopher Holstage, he's a medical uh, toxicologist and professor of uh, emergency medicine and pediatrics at the University of Virginia. He's led a separate study. It's kind of a parallel study to these studies here in the Northwest. And he's published that in JAMA, the Journal of American Medicine Pediatrics. He says these very young ages are pretty stunning to parents. He said parents are often more primed to keep medications out of the reach of a toddler or locked away from a moody teenager. But if you have a 10-year-old, parents can't even comprehend that age group would even be thinking about taking their own life, much less doing so. Dr. Marshall says there's kind of this idea out there now, which is if you get really overwhelmed, if something bad happens, an option is trying to kill yourself. She said, what is the solution? 
She said, I quote her, well, she said, bad things happen to all of us. We all have upset feelings sometimes, and we can all figure out ways to cope with those feelings. And so the solution seems to be coming from these people. And I don't say this critically because that's the best they can do. But the solution seems to be to try to figure out how to cope with things rather than really speak to some of the issues that are driving the feelings and the emotions that they're dealing with or not dealing with in many cases. I'm very aware that some of these suicides are happening in the context of Christian families. I know that with children who have professed their faith in Christ. Christian parents and families who have experienced loss in this way must put their unanswered questions before the Lord. And I'm speaking as a friend and perhaps as a pastor, but in some cases, we don't get the answers, spiritually speaking, when our own children have taken their life, and some do, in Christian families. In some cases, our questions will remain unanswered until we see Christ. Sometimes we have to wait for the answers. Gospel songwriters have called it trust and obey. Or they've written songs encouraging us to be leaning on the everlasting arms. To recognize the spiritual dimension of our current crisis is to recognize these are most often consequences of wrong thinking overwhelming influence of a dominant secular worldview in our culture. I don't mean to minimize it or, or certainly to make it a simple matter. It's complex. But we glorified perversion. We fought to deconstruct the, ne- the nuclear family. We've drugged our kids on uppers and downers and rounds of injections. We've substituted the family dinner table for screens, put porn on demand into the hands of every kid with a device. We've made entertainment shocking, graphic, and bloody. We've created gaming worlds of realistic violence without any consequences. We've sacrificed honor and virtue for sensuality, and vice applauded crime as expression. We've mocked tradition. We scorn faith. The culture is poisoned. I read that on the Internet. I read it on social media, and I never go on social media. I don't know who wrote that, but it's true. It's absolutely true. I saw this posted on there as well. I don't know who wrote this. But this person wrote, For 170 days a year, we hand our child, children over to state institutions that vacuumed out God to preach a doctrine of confusion and destruction. Skin color makes you a racist. Boys or girls, comprehensive sex ed is necessary grooming for kindergartners. Masculinity is toxic. An experimental injection is the road to salvation. Closer than six feet with friends is deadly. Drag queens are healthy childhood entertainment. Climate change is going to kill you. We are poisoning the water, then sending our children to drink deeply. That's the world we live in, and therein lies the solution. We have created a world that is absent of reality and absent of absolute truth. And our children are on the screen, and they're playing games, killing people, and all of a sudden, they're in the real world killing people, and they, they are barely able to distinguish between the real and the not real because we have removed the fixed truth, the fixed absolutes that God says are essential to life itself, his absolutes, because they will not change. God's truth is forever. That's our problem.
I have more to say, but I'm out of time. So we'll continue our conversation here tomorrow. I want to thank you, all of you who support this ministry. We need your help. We need your support. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.